much swinging and too many of those screams, and now I sound like this. But the Raptors have Kawhi, so it's all good. It's just, did it seem sunnier? Did it seem a little warmer? Did it seem a little less oppressively humid today? The grass is a little greener. The milk a little less sour, though it's five days past the expiry date. Maybe that's just my house. I don't know. It is a great day. Thanks for being with us. It's Toronto Today on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Maybe the TSN app is where you're with us or the iHeartRadio app. However you've come to us, we have a great show for you on Toronto Today. I'll be here with you till 1 o'clock. We're going to talk Kawhi Leonard. We're going to talk about the Open. Some unknowns atop the leaderboard. Jordan Spieth had an interesting day, a really interesting finish. We'll, of course, talk plenty more. Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors, Jonathan Sharks of the Ringer, has an interesting piece saying kind of what, what we had thought, right? That, hey, it's, it's great they got Kawhi Leonard, but they are set up and ready to go even if Kawhi leaves. So Sharks will join us. You're going to hear him on the Ringer NBA show. He, uh, one of their writers as well. Jay Jaffe will join us this hour, one of the senior writers at Fangraphs. I can't believe how much this guy writes. As a numbers guy myself, seeing a guy just grind out all these amazing pieces, his latest one on Mike Trout, we'll ask him about Manny Machado going to the Dodgers. What are the Jays to do? He's a numbers guy. He can tell us how much may, maybe Josh Donaldson has lost in free agency. That's a, a topic that always fascinates me. So much that we are going to get to on this day. But yes, golf and baseball. That's a, Bruce and Joe, I have to talk about baseball, right? That's, that's a thing? That's going to be a thing? Yeah, we're going to talk some baseball. There was a big trade in Major League Baseball yesterday, wasn't there? I think so. And when the team, what, what are they, 39 and a half games out? That's, a, that's an interesting question. It was thrown around on Twitter, and it's one I always kind of think of. If you are going for a rebuild, why not use a 26-year-old shortstop around which to rebuild? That seems like a pretty good piece. You have a superstar. Like, if the Raptors, after next season, are going to rebuild... The rebuild isn't going to include you know, shipping out OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and DeLon, right? Those are the guys you build around. I guess Baltimore cut all the costs you can. I mean, from reading it, they got some fine prospects and some, I mean, top five prospects from the Dodgers. But you get a player like Manny Machado and you let him go, I wonder, will you, when's the next time you're going to get one of those kind of guys? We'll talk about that with Jay Jaffe coming up around the bottom of the clock. And curious what the Raptors do now, right? They have Kawhi Leonard. Are they done? Are they done making moves? When you look at them, you go, man, this team, they're going to be able to defend anybody and anything. They want to get into a series like Cleveland did where they just go completely, let's, let's hunt the worst defensive player and, and play him. The Raptors this year will be like, yeah, that's fine. Because we have long-rangey defensive players and you want to you wanna switch uh, onto DeLon, right? Okay, cool. DeLon can handle that. Oh, switch. There's Danny Green. They don't have depth at center. Jonas Valanciunas and then what? Pascal Siakam plays some five. Who, what else are they going to do? Who can they find on a minimum? What will they do there? Does that even matter? Because it's 2018 and, you know, what centers make an impact? Centers that don't shoot threes or aren't Anthony Davis. What centers make a real impact? So curious to see if there's any moves on that front. But the big one is done. And oh, Kawhi is warming to the thought of Toronto. Do we have any idea what Kawhi actually thinks about anything ever at any time? 
He's warming. You believe Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN is obviously the ultimate and insider. So you, you believe him when, you know, you believe he has talked to people who know when he says Kawhi is warming to Toronto. But before I moved to Toronto, I thought Toronto was some massive hellscape. Sure. I came from a small town of like 5,000 people. Oh my gosh, I'm going to Toronto? Am I going to die on the way from the airport or when I'm dropped off downtown on Young Street? I, Come on, let's let's give Kawhi a few months and then we'll, we, you know, the one interview we'll get, we'll go, so how do you like Toronto? He'll be like, it's good. Okay, and we will, di- man, we will dissect, it's good. We'll take two syllables, turn it into 25 minutes of content. What did he really mean? Because we just want to know, will he be back? But uh, to Jonathan Chark's point, even if he leaves, okay, you've given up DeMar DeRozan. That, that is unfortunate. But, man, they are set to go thanks to some great drafting. That said, I am not. I thought I would be in a strong, strong majority of people who were deliriously excited about the Kawhi Leonard trade. But it is not played out that way. Man, we put up a producer, Joe, put up a poll during yesterday's show. And, again, I didn't have the wording of it yesterday, so I want to get the wording of it right this time because it's important. But... Hey, Toronto, how do you feel about the Raptors acquiring Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan? Hashtag we the North, hashtag RTZ. 50-50. 50-50 said love it, MVP caliber ad. 50% said hate. DeMar is Toronto. I am, I am shocked. There is, there's the, the and it's, it's the love for DeMar, right? It's the love for DeMar and the love that he showed Toronto. But there is... I'm, I struggle to come up with one thing on the basketball court that DeMar does that Kawhi does not do better to oh so much better it makes DeMar look silly. So I think maybe once the game starts, the game start, once the playoffs come around, we'll understand. We'll be like, okay, this is, this is Kawhi. Kawhi, I mean, Kyle Lowry already looks great. How much better will he look? Could this be the could this be the thing that I mean, new head coach? Could this be the revival of Norman Powell as he starts his ten year deal? Ten million dollar a year deal. What does it do for OG? What does it do for Pascal? What is it Fred Van Vliet? What's his next step now that he's got a, you know, eight figure contract? Oh, it's gone. It is a good time to be a Raptors fan. This is this is what I feel like the offseason is. Raptors fans are getting the offseason that Leafs fans are normally, oh my goodness, I can't wait for this season. The last, say, three off-seasons for the Leafs, oh my goodness, I can't wait for Austin Matthews. Oh, even this one, oh my goodness, I can't wait for John Tavares. This is even this is even better for Raptors fans compared to Leafs. In the grand scheme of things, Leafs, enormous. Raptors, less enormous. I get it. But man, this is going to be a great, great time. Producer Joe, we were talking about anything comparable to, what was it, DeMar and Kawhi. Any trade in Toronto history comparable to this one? A player so beloved for one who is so incredible. I think there we were a couple were, we came up with. Yeah, originally I was thinking that oh, this would have been like if you had traded Phil Kessel for Evgeny Malkin because to me, like Malkin at some points is the third best player in hockey. But Kessel was never beloved. The hot, he's the hot dog guy, right? Like right. It's, yeah. And then I believe it was it might have been our uh, web guy. Pete Stewart, who yes. said it was Wendell Clark for Matt Sundin. Yeah. 
And I think that's a really good comparable because DeMar DeRozan is by far the most beloved Raptor of all time. And Wendell Clark, I think, for the last, you know, 50 years has been the most beloved, if not, you know, the most beloved Maple Leaf of all time. And he was traded for arguably the best Maple Leaf to ever play. That's a, yeah. Is, is DeMar the most beloved Raptor of all time, or is there an age divide that, that decides that? People of a certain age go, no, it's Vince Carter. And people of a certain age go, no, it's DeMar DeRozan. I think when it comes to using the word beloved, I think everybody has an emotional attachment to DeMar. Yeah. But with Vince Carter, everybody remembers how great he was. But Uh, it's hard to love Vince Carter, the person, while he was with the Raptors. The way it ended. He did so many great things for the Raptors, and and, but then the, the way it ended, it always... I guess maybe that was a time where I wasn't living in Toronto and I wasn't following the Raptors as closely. So I wasn't as shocked and stunned and offended and hurt by how Vince left as Raptor fans. There are still Raptor fans now. You probably know some that go, I will never. I will never. Vince comes back in a Kings I will boo him relentlessly that he will not have it. Plenty more Kawhi Leonard talk. I, I mean, I'm just deliriously excited about that. Transitioning to Jim Pop of the Toronto Argos general manager, the Argos welcoming in the the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Jim, thanks for being with us on Toronto today. How are you, sir? Good, Derek. Doing awesome. Great day here in, in Toronto. I saw you at the, it was a season ticket holders rally uh, at the shipyard before the season, and uh, you were wearing one of your Grey Cup rings, and I, th- and I came to this, this assumption that once you own a Grey Cup ring, you need to get really good at washing your hands, because everybody <laughs> wants to touch that and feel it and wear it and take it for a picture. Everybody wants a piece of that, don't they? They do, and you know, and I and I've always taken it off and let them hold it and really feel the weight of it, put it on their finger. I mean, you know, sometimes that may be the only time someone actually sees the championship ring, and especially with your fans, they get to share that, and uh, that's the enjoyment of, uh, of you know the the fruits of your hard work, and then you want to share it with people. And you know, for me, I, I rarely wear any of the rings that I've ever had. I've always my my father's passed now, but I always gave my great cup ring to my to my father and um and he wore it proudly you know every day but um i i did i put them up and um and maybe you know when you're finished your career's over you cherish them a little you know look at them and realize what you've gone through but uh, but when I do have them on me, I, I let everybody enjoy them. Yeah, you you're really you're really good with the with the fans, you know, because right. you know, I mean, you clearly understand how important the fans are to to this team and to, to the team and yeah, to the Argos in general. It's fantastic. I want to ask you about Dexter McCluster. Yeah. Uh, I, I've I've several questions on this front, but when you when you're scouting a guy who hasn't played football since 2016, what are you looking for? Uh, first thing is to see if they're in shape. So we brought him in, uh, worked him out, uh, wanted to see, you know, what really, you know, gets everybody excited, this quick twitch, how, how well his ball skills still are, if he catches the ball well out of the backfield. You know, we don't go run them in a 40. Uh, we just see what kind of shape they're in, uh, where their mental attitude is, uh, you know, why are you doing this, why do you want to play. Um, and, you know, and then you make decisions on what's best for your club. I mean, I can use an example of a guy, of Akeem Jordan, mm-hmm. who's playing for us. Akeem's a guy that I wanted to sign out of college. Uh, I could have. I, I told his agent not because I thought he'd get picked up by an NFL team. He did. He had a long career. 
And then after he sat up football for a couple of years, they called us and, uh, you know, he appreciated everything I had done for him. And he goes, look, he still wants to play. And then almost going into three years later, we were running thin on linebackers last year. And I said, hey, why doesn't he just come up to the practice roster? I did it as an insurance policy. Uh, he was in very good shape. Uh, two weeks later, he was playing for us last year. And then this year, he had started several games. So uh, there's just some people that are very – they keep themselves in great condition. It's just natural. And they can miss time and pick up right where they left off. And, I, you know, I think Dexter's one of those guys. He's only 29 years old, and he's only missed one year of football. So he hasn't been out that he's been out or not been in a camp doing something. You know, when we say he hasn't played, it might be, you know, true regular season games. But he's been active and pursuing it the entire time. Sorry, Jim, when you get him onto the practice field, how quickly do you know, okay, it's there? Is it – the first 15 minutes, does it take a couple of days? No, you, you know it. I mean, you know when you put them out there and you work them out, if they still have it or not, uh, how well or how quick they move, especially because you rapid fire and you see what kind of condition they are. You know, whether it's a uh, young man out of college or whether he's, you know, been out of football for a year or so, uh, you know whether they keep themselves in shape, cardio-wise, football shape. And, um, you know, then the next process is to put them on the field whether it's in helmet or next time in shoulder pad, or how well they, you know, their body takes it day after day after day. Those things you can't see in a workout. I when I saw the McCluster signing, I got I got curious because when I think of McCluster, I think of two other guys on your roster currently, in Martise Jackson and uh, Brandon Burks, who folks might remember from the preseason mm-hmm. game. He had that run against Hamilton with the went right, cut back left, cut back the other way, great touchdown run. I thought, oh, here's another guy that shares that small body type. What what was it about McCluster that made you go, okay, we we'll we'll have him too? Well, you know, you're always looking for explosive players that can. Uh you know, hit that home run on any play. Uh, they get the ball in their hand. You know, we know the other ones you just mentioned can do that. Uh, you know, we also play a kind of a hybrid position. You know, uh, these guys can go in the backfield and play running back, but uh, we take the ones you mentioned along with uh, an Anthony Coombs who yep. can line up at receiver, and we use these guys in many different ways. So we don't just use them. You know, we may use them as returners. We may use them as a true tailback. We may be in a two-back set run and reverse, uh, you know, or, or spread offense where they're, they're running wide with the ball, get a handoff. Uh, they may line up at receiver and run shorter routes and get the ball in their hand quickly so they can do something with it. Argos GM Jim Pop with us on Toronto Today. I've been wondering, because the East is has a couple of guys on other teams, Brandon Banks, for example, in Hamilton, or Deontay Spencer in uh, in Ottawa, smaller, super-fast guys who play that boundary-wide receiver spot. So I was curious from from the outside, I'm like, can McCluster play that spot? You you know better. Can McCluster play that spot? You know, I believe he definitely could. You know, when you go by, and anyone can go on YouTube and Google him and watch his highlights and – You'll see he's lined up as a receiver. A lot of times you can see how well he catches the ball. That's the first thing in our workout that you just you knew right away. This guy really has great hand-eye coordination and, and has receiver skills as much as he's known you know, in college as a running back and or as a returner in the NFL. But uh, he actually has great ball skills to where he can go out and line up as a receiver and run routes and catch the ball. Yeah, I would be very curious to see what uh, what Coach Tressman will do with him. What's your reaction to uh, a couple of weeks of, of James Franklin as an Argo? 
Oh, wow. You know, uh, everything we hoped and more, uh, you know, that we had seen, even though he was limited playing the year before when we actually took our chance to get him. But, um, you know, he is unbelievably uh, composed. Uh, he's very smooth. He threw the ball tremendously last week in the rain. Uh, I mean, the ball was not flawed. You know, you're seeing a perfect spiral almost every time. You know, he's still learning the offense. He's getting the reps. Uh, he's only going to get better, you know, or whatever mechanics are, are working there, you know, between uh, Coach Trestman and Anthony Calvillo. They're all working on those things to help him even more. Uh, and the more and more he gets comfortable. But, you know, this, this, is, uh, this is a guy that's got tremendous knowledge. Uh, he dissects everything extraordinarily well in, in the classroom. There's a lot of work done there. And, um, you know, and you hope they play at a high level most of the time. You know, it's not going to happen every week. Someone's going to, you know, come up with something. But uh, what, what time he's played for us in the preseason and now regular season games, I can tell you that, uh, you know, it's a lot of confidence in the room that uh, uh, the players know they can win each and every game or go on the field uh, with him. I was very curious to see how he would adapt because he would fill in for Mike Riley over three years in Edmonton, and and Riley under Jason Moss really liked to move the ball down the field, and Coach Tressman seems to really like more death by a thousand cuts. Uh, is that is that a big transition for a quarterback to make, or is that just or do you, is that just part of the deal? Well, it's it, you know every system's different, and it's just part of really going through your read progressions and what you're really looking for. And some of it is how teams play you. So last you know last week, uh, you know against um, Edmonton, we we went deep uh, uh, six times in the first half, uh, and then they really backed out of there. And then they then we only had to you only went deep maybe once in the second half, and then we did a lot of underneath stuff because they backed out so much. So sometimes it's just strictly what people are giving you of how much the ball goes deep. Uh, you know, some, some philosophies maybe in Edmonton is they're going to throw it deep no matter what, you know, hope they get the penalty or jump ball and there's a flag. So, you know, coach sometimes isn't going to do that as much as he'd rather just take the eight yards. Yeah. There, there aren't many players in the league like Duke Williams. Hey, the Edmonton receiver. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, Duke, you know, I, first of all, they, they've got him in a great position. Then, And, yes, I mean, when you say that description in regards to his body type, Oof. size, play strong, absolutely, you're correct. And uh, But yet they've got him in a, in a great position, you know, where they do. And, and, uh, and he, you know, he, he was in a lot of open areas where they're hot read uh, uh, because some of the guys are backed out, you know, also worrying about 87 going down the field. Yeah, the the uh, constant Darrell Walker threat. Yeah, Edmonton. I thought it was I thought it was super impressive how you were able to contain those guys over two games. And uh, the end zone helps a little bit sometimes, but that's uh, that's football and that's luck. Best of luck against uh, Winnipeg this weekend. Uh, Five hundred right around the corner. Perfect. And by the way, that pick, that ball would have been picked whether he slipped or not. Let's get that straight. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Jim right. Pop. Thank you so much for your time. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. The Argos general manager, Jim Pop, one of the great guys in football, and yeah, able to, to break it down. Argos and Bombers, that won the early game on Saturday. Argos off to a 1-3 and three start, looking for better as the season goes along. Going to talk some baseball coming up outside of the break. Jay Jaffe, senior writer at Fangraphs, coming up on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. 11-24 on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Manny Machado. 
dealt to the Dodgers in exchange for a ton of prospects. Right-handed pitcher Dean Kremer and Zach Pop, third baseman Rylan Bannon, infielder Brevich Valera, and uh, Yusniel Diaz, a Cuban outfielder. With more on the baseball world, uh, Jay Jaffe, the senior writer of Fangraphs, joins us. Jay, thanks for being with us. I... I just went through your page on Fangraphs. I can't believe how much you write. Oh, my goodness. You know, the funny thing is I'm not even nearly the most prolific of our uh, uh, senior writers. I'm, I, I'm relatively new to this post, uh, and uh, I struggle to keep up with uh, the great Jeff Sullivan and, and Travis Sochik and uh, uh, Craig Edwards, our other, uh, our, our other senior writers. So, uh uh, but I'm glad, you know, I do try to produce something every day, and uh, some days I've got two things. It's it's a lot to keep up with. I, I do a lot of uh, numbers for the Canadian Football League, and it's just so intensive because there are so many. You used to, like you put out 13 pieces in July alone. That is that's un- you previewed the home run derby for crying out loud. Yeah, is- look, I love the home run derby. Okay? Really? Nobody nobody else wanted that, and I was like, hey, we got to do something about this because I think it's very entertaining. And so uh, I did both the preview and. Uh, uh, the recap of it, uh, I, you know, this. Look, you don't get to you don't get to do what I do. Uh, you know, writing about baseball every day for a living while making meaningful money, uh, without having an eye for the things that will interest some segment of the uh, baseball watching and reading population. And, and fortunately, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't. I guess you don't see the hard work that goes below the surface sometimes. But uh, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I'm able to come up with interesting topics every day here, and because uh, uh, it can be a challenge. I want to start. Uh, off by asking you, what do you think about Manny Machado traded from traded to the Dodgers, who are actually I had to go check the standings in a way tighter race than I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think this is a big separator for them. Uh, obviously, he is he's the best bat available at the deadline. He's probably the only true impact player available at the deadline. Um, a significant upgrade. Our our in house. Uh, um, projectionist uh, Dan Zimborski, who just came aboard uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, estimated that he improved their chances of divi- winning the division by about uh, 10% and of winning the World Series by a little over 2%, which is a big move of the needle. Um, you know, the, Machado wasn't a necessity for them, uh, but they did leave themselves enough room to take on uh, the, the remainder of his salary. Uh, they gave up five guys, but um, you know, only one of them I think is is, is really uh, a, a very strong uh, prospect, and that's uh, Yusnel Diaz. Um, the rest of them, yeah, you know, there's major league potential in all of them, and and but uh, uh, they still have a deep system and and can go out and, and uh, make other moves. Are you surprised to look at that West and see they're only four games above fourth place in the in their division? It's a it's a it's a particularly tight division this year. I mean, you know, last year both the Rockies and the Diamondbacks uh, were wild card teams, and uh, uh, the Giants have have rebounded from a dreadful season, and uh, the Padres have actually been surprisingly competitive too. Um, you know, with. Uh, uh, with all that they've done, but I think they're going to be they're going to be fading. I know they they just traded Brad Hand to the Indians here moments ago, um, and I think we're, you're going to see uh, them strip first. You know, for some parts, obviously Eric Hosmer sticking around, but uh, it's been a it's been a tough division, and yet the Dodgers have gone from being ten games under five hundred in uh, in mid May to being ten over at the break, and uh, um, you know I think they're they're finding themselves. When you look at what's coming between now and the trade deadline at the end of the month, what, in your mind, what's, what are the, what's the next domino? What are the next dominoes to fall? Well, for the Dodgers, I think bullpen help is, is, is the way to go. And I just 
filed a piece at Fangraphs uh, looking at both their external and internal options. They 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 appear to have a, a surplus of starters if if uh, uh, players stay healthy. Knock on wood, uh, but they're also probably going to make an addition or two. Um, you know, as for as for the other piece, you know, as for the other moves, I think um, the Blue Jays, Jay Happ, the Rangers, Cole Hamels. Um, the Padres, Tyson Ross, are a few guys who could move. Um, you know, particularly now that uh, uh, Hand moved uh, for the Padres. Um, you know, there's uh, there are uh, other position players. Uh, might see some guys from the Twins like Brian Dozier uh, get traded. Uh, Whit Merrifield of the Royals. Um, but uh, there's no obvious next position player to move. I don't think. Jay Jaffe, senior writer at Fangraphs, joining us on Toronto today. You mentioned Jay Happ, and I was posed the question while we were doing Sports Center on the weekend. Hey, what do you think that three straight losses does to Happ's trade value? And I thought, well, baseball people must know better than you know three losses in a row really cuts it down. Does it affect it? What is Happ's trade value right now? Well, you know, I think it's still pretty high just because the market is so barren. Um, I was looking at uh, uh, the, our rest-of-season projections, um, you know, which projections tend to be very, very, fairly conservative. Hap's uh, earned run average and fielding independent pitching are both uh, above four right now. He's He's been knocked around a little bit lately, so it's probably, you know, taken a little bit of the shine off him. But via our projections, he is the only starter I could think of offhand uh, who is worth at least – uh, one win above replacement over the remainder of the season among those on the market. Now, a guy like DeGrom or Syndergaard, if the Mets were to market them, uh, would be worth uh, probably double that, uh, you know, two-point-something wins above replacement over the remainder of the season. But uh, they're off the market. Half is there. He's got, uh, uh, you know, a $13 million salary this year, so probably about uh, uh, maybe about $6 million remaining. It's not, that's not a huge amount. Um, I think he'll bring back, uh, you know, significant value in trade just because he's the bell of the ball. But it's not going to be uh, – you're not getting glamour tourists for him if you, if you trade him. I've kind of been waiting for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's just get everybody out of town and start it over again. But then – Everybody has been hurt, and I mean, I, Josh Donaldson's injury must be just crippling to them. Does, is there any value to Josh Donaldson for a team who might come knocking? Um, at this point, you're going to need the, the Blue Jays need to get Josh Donaldson back uh, on the field and showing productivity. Yes, is that he's a guy who could move after the July 31st deadline, um, you know, which, uh, which isn't the easiest thing to do, but when you've got a high salary, um, you know, you might be able to 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 still do that. It's it's obviously a far from optimal situation for the Blue Jays, but then just about everything this year has been. Um, you know, you know they they might. Um, I, I guess if there's good news is that uh, uh, if they can't trade him, they can always uh, give him a qualifying offer and uh, uh, take the draft picks if he leaves. Uh, might even be able to get one more year out of him if they, if they think that they're close enough to uh, to try to contend next year. It surprises me to, to hear you say he could move, you know, basically clear waivers and move in August, but just because where he's been, right, at his highest heights, but he's come a long way down, I imagine, in the minds of, of baseball. Well, just the reality is you can't stay on the field. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that wow. is, you know, when you're trading, you know, when you're trading for a guy with, you know, two months of the season or six weeks of the season left, you know, you have to have some certainty that that, that he's that he's worth uh, uh, the the upgrade and you know the trouble it takes to get him. Um, and right now, that's just unfortunately not obvious. And and look, we all know that Josh Donaldson at his best 
uh, is a you know a legitimate two way player who um, you know can flash MVP form, but uh, he's he's had a he's had a tough couple of years here and he's not what he once was and uh um you know maybe in, from a long-term perspective the blue jays dodged a bullet by not extending him uh but uh the reality is that they're not going to get as much as they thought the reality is also that Bryce Harper might not get as big a contract as he thought uh, given his slump coming you know th- this year but uh, that's just the way it crumbles cookie wise god remember the harper to- oh it's 400 million half a billion dollars right, exactly exactly wow. and now it's only going to be you know 250 million or 300 <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're a numbers guy. You must love throwing around only 250 million. Uh, Jay, before I let you go, you, you have a piece and it involves uh, a section on Mike Trout having a historic, a near historic baseball season this year. Yes, um, and even that, you know, he, I was when I was uh, on vacation on Cape Cod about a month ago. Um, I noted that he was uh, uh, headed for the highest war. Uh, in uh, 95 years since Babe Ruth, and the third highest we've had in our system. Uh, he's cooled off a bit. He had an index finger injury, uh, and now he and Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts are all tied with six-and-a-half war, which still puts them on a very short list of guys to get to six before the All-Star break. And what I did was, uh, uh, you know, while acknowledging that the first half, quote-unquote, is it can vary in length from year to year, uh, is look at the short history of guys who've done that uh, within our, our uh database and uh, show where they went and just showed the difficulty of maintaining such a breakneck pace. Um, you know, I, I always love writing about Mike Trout because he continues to amaze us. Uh, so this was another fun look, I hope. If uh, you, you probably write more from, you write from more a common sense standpoint, but if Trout was a Yankee, would you, would you have written a piece by now about the greatest player of all time, Mike Trout? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, write, I wrote about that he's already reached the average Hall of Fame center fielder uh, in terms of my Jaws Hall of Fame metrics. So, um, you know, there's, I, can, I can put superlatives on him every day, and it doesn't matter what team he's on. Uh, my job is to write about 30 teams and to uh, extol the virtues and, and, and the, uh, uh, point out the flaws of, of all of them. I love it. I, I love my numbers. I, I love people who know numbers better than I do. I, so much I can learn from, from guys like you. I, I appreciate your time. Jay Jaffe, senior writer from Fangraphs. Thanks so much, Jay. appreciate it. Hey, sure thing. Thanks a lot. All right, Jay Jaffe. Check out his pieces. 13 pieces in the month of July. I, there, there are that many numbers. Your database goes back 100 years to Babe Ruth. Fangraphs does some amazing, amazing stuff. You have to check them out for baseball. They are absolutely unbelievable. It is 11.35. Going to get back to the Kawhi Leonard-DeMar DeRozan talk. Jonathan Sharks with his piece on The Ringer about how the Raptors are set up for a two-pronged attack, one with Kawhi, and if he leaves, it's cool. It's next on Toronto Today, TSN 1050. Yeah, but you know what? You bring him uptown. You bring him up near the TSN building. You take him to Jollibee. You get him one of those peach mango pies. One of those burgers with spaghetti. I don't, I don't know why it's spaghetti. Some of their amazing chicken. You just got to wait in a half hour line. But you take him there and you go, he is a raptor for life. Bring it on. Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer, NBA writer, joining us on Toronto Today to talk about Kawhi Leonard. Jonathan's got a piece saying that, hey, the raps are built for success. Even if Kawhi leaves, Jonathan, this piece was music to my eyes. Thank you for writing it because the raptors, their young talent is... It's really impressive. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's just the depth, the amount of good young players they have. It's like they've already done a rebuilding program for like the last three years because they have such a good decor. 
Well, and it, what I've always found interesting about the Raptors, at least in the last few years, was this wasn't, you know, the Sam Hinkie style tank, right? This was, hey, we got, you know, Siakam in the 20s, and we got DeLon Wright in the 20s, and when we got nine, it was Pirtle. But they've done really, really well acquiring talent the last two, three years with bad draft picks. Yeah, I mean, that's really the whole game, being able to draft well. Like, if you can draft well, you'll always be in pretty decent shape. Doesn't, it doesn't really matter where you're drafting. There's always good players. Like, there's a lot of basketball players out there. Was it going to get any better in your mind with both DeMar and Kyle on the Raptors? I, I think either way, they would have to continue empowering their younger players. Like, I think this team with those two as their best two players is obviously topped out. Those guys are getting up there in years now. The guys in Boston are much younger. The guys in Philly are much younger. Even like Milwaukee, Indiana, I, I think they had talked out for sure. What, uh, what's your impression of DeMar DeRozan as a player going forward and what he's been, say, the last couple of years? I mean, he's a good player. I don't know. Like, he's a fine, you know, all-star level player. Good scorer. Doesn't defend, you know. He works hard at his game. He's a low-maintenance culture guy, but... Is he a superstar? No. I mean, he's just a, a good to great NBA player. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Yeah, I like when people go to the word fine because you're like, oh, okay. You you get the, the greater context of that. Like, yes, we would we'd probably like him to be better, but is it is it reasonable for us to think he should be better? It's He's he's fine, I think, is always a great word. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten so much better over the course of his career. He's had a fine career, you know. It's just, there's a certain level... He's your best player. There's a certain feeling you're going to have in the NBA. Yeah, and then that was always one of my my things with the Raptors was, hey, if if Demar and Kyle could be in some order, number two and number three, and you could have a number one with those guys, oh my goodness, then you're flying. But I mean, how often do number ones come come available, right? So, what what do you make of the Raptors going out and getting a guy who, I mean, I don't know where you rank him, top five, top eight in the league. I mean, it's great. He's in charge of his talent. It's like his talent level is incredible. He's, he could be the MVP next year if he shows up and decides to play. I think it's just a matter of what his, you know, how he is off the court, how, how engaged is he, how healthy is he. He hasn't been healthy in two years. He's a hard to say. Do you do you remember what Kawhi Leonard's voice sounds like? I I don't know. I've heard uh, him talking forever. Yeah, you know, it's funny. He's a lot like OG. Like they just, you know, like they don't give you much. They give you, you know, two on. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm very much. I'm deliriously happy. Obviously, that he that he is in Raptors camp and coming soon, and what he might be able to do. Jonathan Sharks from the Ringer uh, joining us. One of the problems that it looked like with with the Raps in the postseason was Cleveland uh, exposed them. Obviously, in a sweep three straight years, but they just went, okay, uh, you have bad defenders. We're going to find that bad defender and crush them. When you look at what the Raptors will be able to throw out in crunch time defensively. Uh, Raptors fans, I'm guessing, should be more encouraged now. Yeah, I mean, they're just so versatile now. I mean, I love the idea of, like, a Siakam, OG, Kawhi, point forward. I think it really got exposed that they won't those two gigs. I think getting Pearl out of there and just using Jonas and Serge as your five, it makes you way more flexible. I think that is, like, the low-key, really good thing about this trade. I imagine they're going to go Kawhi at three, OG at four going forward, and that's really the kind of thing you want to compete with the best. When you look at the, the center depth, doesn't exist anymore, right? There's, it's Jonas Valanciunas, and, and that's it. 
That's more. No, Serge is the center. That's what he is. Well, <laughs> I, I, I kind of think of him as like a $20 million chasm. Like that's kind of, Ooh. yeah. Like So wow. in your mind, Serge, Serge would be a backup five for He's them. Surely a five, yes. I think I think he'll be more effective as a backup five. Real okay, because we've been. He Serge is obviously an interesting character because uh, came in the league as his defensive you know, house on fire, and then developed a three pointer, and now you know we just kind of rue that the Raptors signed him for three years and, and and a ton of money. But that okay, that'd be interesting. I just think he's out of position because like fours now are so much more skilled than he is. Like, yeah, he's a good shooter for a five, but for four he's average. He's not skilled at all. He used to be mobile for four, now he's average. Like he just has to be out of position. Yeah. If you lack depth at center in the 2018-19 season, that's hardly the worst crime, yes? Yeah, I mean, I think Siakam's probably a 5 2 the way the league is yeah. now. Maybe OG, even. Like, the league is it's smaller, faster players every position. How much of a concern is a rookie head coach? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's more about managing. It's not managing egos. Like, I don't know how he's been able to do that. Like, how can him and Kawhi communicate? That's going to be a huge challenge for him, getting Kawhi engaged, getting the buy-in. There's a lot of players, too. That's the other thing. Like They've got probably 10 or 11 good players, which is a good thing, but it also requires a coach to get them to buy into their roles. So that is what I'm more fond of with the nurse. Well, yeah, because everybody wants to every, – every young everybody guy – Everybody wants w- minutes. Yeah, wants that. Yeah, every young guy will want to play more than he played last year. Uh, Norman Powell will want redemption from – Yeah, he wants to play. Uh. Yeah, and Norman's a guy they're about to pay $10 million to and had no role last season. You can't just have a a $10 million hole in your roster, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for him, though, because, like, I would assume Danny going to start to two. Then you've got DeLon Wright. He'll be up for an extension this year. He doesn't want to play less. Yeah. you got Van Vliet at one. I mean, Toronto is really, really deep, which can be good, but it can also be bad. Like, I would I'd expect they want to move Powell, but it's hard on his contract to move him right now. Were you were you surprised? I was. Let's say let's preface this. I was surprised Van Vliet was back for two and eighteen. Were you surprised there wasn't more interest, or at least more interest on his part at getting a bigger, wider deal? Okay, so here's what I heard. I don't. I mean, this is totally secondhand. I heard teams were talking to him, and he said, "I want to stay in Toronto." So I think he looks at a lot. Lowry's had two years left. This could be my team down the line. I think that's how he looks at it. Yeah, and, and there's the next guy that Raptors fans will fall completely in love. We Raptors fans love Demar. If they aren't already, well, and they, they probably are. Already a big, yeah, but, but now it's there's there's even more opportunity, right? That guy, I mean, undrafted and just slugs it out with everybody, and it's not like he's an unskilled slugger. He's he can really play. He's yeah, he's a real good player. Sure. Love him a lot. Power rank the East for me, if you would. Um, I think. I mean, really, I think. I'm going to say there's four really good teams. I think Philly, Boston, Toronto, and I think Milwaukee will be a lot better this year with uh, Buttonholzer. I think those four. I think the Eastern playoffs can be really fun. I, like, can you imagine Kawhi versus Giannis in the playoff series? Uh, That's going to be great. Oh, so much arm length in that, man. My goodness. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you're, just before I let you go, Jonathan, your thoughts on Boston reintegrating their two stars. That so many people just saw they re-signed Marcus Smart to a four-year deal. Uh, your thoughts about reintegrating two stars into what was a very successful young crew as it went late last season and into the playoffs? I mean, that's a big question, right? It's a lot like with Toronto. I mean, I think Stevens is more proven. He has more skins on the wall, but... Kyrie's going to be up next year. Hayward wants to get back. Tatum and Brown, they were really good. 
can you get everybody to buy in and accept? That's like, that's really the NBA is like, can you get guys to understand the roles and buy in? Because I think talent-wise, they're probably the second best team in the league. So really it's just about getting all their players. I think they'll fire minutes a lot. That's probably the biggest thing they're going to do. Yeah. Get everyone the ball. I love it. I am deliriously excited for the NBA season to start. Uh, I can't wait to hear you more on the Ringer NBA show and read your stuff at the Ringer. Jonathan Sharks, thanks so much. Appreciate your time, my friend. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. All right, Jonathan Sharks of the Ringer, theringer.com. The amount of switching the Raptors will be able to do, I mean, an extra year of OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. I, I didn't know what to make of Pascal Siakam when they drafted him. And you, you just listen to Masai and go, okay, there's something there. You just, you'd never heard of him, right? But then all of a sudden you're like, wow. And then you watched him last season and you go, wow. Okay, he's, he can shoot and he can, he can dribble the ball a little bit. And he's not just, I semi wondered, is this just going to be a thinner, I don't know, Kenneth Fareed type energy player, banger, unskilled, but man, uh, Pascal Siakam to the point where he's a guy you did not want to even know you can't have him in the trade. And when you think of OG and Pascal and uh, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard, who you know might be the best defender in the game on on the perimeter, I, it's going to be unbelievable for a team that was fifth in defensive rating last season. I'm not saying they're going to pitch shutouts, but you know they can hold Sacramento to like 15, 17 points. That'd be amazing. It, it's it's a whole new era, and yeah, even if. Even if Kawhi leaves after a year, one, you shoot your shot. You, you have to shoot your shot. Guys like this do not come around often. And there's a, when there's legit a chance to get one, and you can get him in there, and Masai can talk to him, and Nick Nurse can do his thing, and Kyle Lowry can say, hey, what's it? And he can see this young talent and go, oh, oh, okay. I see what's going on here. I'm not going to have to, you know, LeBron these 10 empty sweaters onto my back and carry them to the title uh, and, and hope Kevin Love can stay healthy. This, this will be a real team, and he can be the star of a real team, and he could be the, could he be the finals MVP on a team that loses to, to Golden State? Maybe. Maybe. I was asked this earlier today, Producer Joe, if you have a second, if you would join me on the microphone. I was asked today, what is the goal for the Toronto Raptors for the upcoming season? What is the goal for the Raps, do you think? To make the NBA Finals. Is that is that sufficient? I okay. think so. I think it has to be sufficient because the NBA is probably one of the weirdest leagues. Maybe you probably only see this in European soccer, that you know there's only one or two teams that actually will win the championship and the other teams are just vying for a chance to get dismantled in the Finals. Yeah. Well, Croatia at the World Cup. Hey, it's great to be here. We're going to get lumped by... There's a chance we're going to get lumped by France, but it is great to be here. Yeah, Golden State, right, is, is this pending, oh my goodness. But it, getting through the East will not be easy, but that's, that would be a real mega accomplishment. Having a finals game at Toronto? Well, absolutely. And that's, I think... You know, ESPN kind of laughed at it yesterday on Undisputed when they said that, oh, well, if that's what Toronto thinks is success, ha ha ha. But... When it comes down to it, this is still a less than 25-year-old franchise who now just acquired a top-five player in the NBA and have never been to a finals. And no matter what we say, once you're in the finals, that's a different ballgame. 
and you don't know who gets injured, and you don't know how people play. And at some point, yes, the Golden State Warriors are amazing, but we've all seen amazing teams just falter one year or just have an off off moment or an off series. So if the Raptors' goal is to get to the NBA Finals, I think that's unbelievable. I hope they accomplish it. But once you're in there, you never know. Yeah, exactly. And to the to the point of uh, the gentleman from ESPN laughing that your goal is to get to the final. He knows we're in the Golden State Warriors era, right? This is the Golden. This is the Boston Celtics of the '60s. I'm so, this confluence of events that built the Golden State Warriors is a complete fluke, and they're not beatable. They're not beatable. So to to get through the East, which will like Boston is going to be fantastic. Brad Stevens will have them going great guns to get to the finals is a real thing. And heaven forbid you have some sort of moment in Game 5 of the Finals where Clay Thompson is ripping down court full speed and Kawhi gives him the LeBron James on Andre Iguodala. Raptors fans will remember that forever, regardless of what happens in that series. Getting to the Finals would be incredible. We would deserve it. You deserve it as Raptor fans. We deserve it as Raptor fans. Can Kawhi deliver it? Absolutely. Will he? That's a real question, and I am excited to see the answer to that. We're keeping our eye on Tiger Woods at the Open Championship. He threw his club on five. I'm not entirely sure what that was about. We'll talk with Rex Hoggard of the uh, GolfChannel.com senior writer. He is at Carnoustie to talk about that. A really interesting end of the day for Jordan Spieth as well. That and plenty more coming up on Toronto Today on TSN 1050 and the TSN app.